Welcome back to The Biggest Fan Pod, the podcast that hands over the mic to some of our favourite people in the world of football and invites their biggest fans to ask the questions we wouldn't know to. Brought to you by your girls at TFG. Just a reminder that if you're enjoying The Biggest Fan Pod so far, make sure you hit that follow button wherever you subscribe to your podcast so you never miss an episode. With the return to outdoor sports officially legal as of last week, we thought there was no better time to talk to two women who are both very pleased to get back to footy. Morgan Brennan, the founder of East London's Victoria Park Vixens, is interviewed by her teammate and Super 5 League referee Charlotte Dukes. In this week's episode, Mog and Charlotte discuss how beneficial social media has been for the development of the team, the need for better facilities for female players, the power of the male ally, and plans for the future of Victoria Park Vixens. Hope you enjoy. So, hey, hey Mog, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Long time no see. I know, long time no physical see. It's been, what, how many months? Like four or five months? Yeah, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of Zoom workouts, but no actual, no actual FaceTime. Yeah, I feel like I've become a pro at HIIT workouts. I used to never go anywhere near them. And now that's all I do. And I'm actually slightly concerned about my ability to run outside. Yeah, yeah. I played last night, first game back, and it's definitely a completely different type of fitness. I was like, ref, tell me when 10 minutes is up. And then I checked in again. He was like, it's been three minutes. Like, <laughs> relax. Yeah. So um, hello, everyone, and um, welcome to the, the Biggest Fan Pod. I have the joy of speaking to Morgan Brennan today. Um, my name is Charlotte Jukes, and we play football together. And um, so we play for the Victoria Park Vixens. Um, Morg, do you want to just introduce yourself a bit? Yeah, sure. So I am the manager and I guess founder of Victoria Park Vixens, which is a women's football club based in East London. And yeah, on the side of that, I work in social media and branding myself. And yeah, Charlotte is one of our players at Victoria Park Vixens, but she also helps me run a tight ship. Exactly. And we met when essentially I saw Victoria Park Vixens on a sponsored ad on Instagram. So I think it was Cosmopolitan magazine um, had a little uh, football segment. It said, here are the coolest teams out there at the moment. I just arrived in London, didn't have many friends, had quite an intense work um, schedule. So I work on a trading floor in the city and was essentially just looking for, for a team to join. I love football, I love cricket, and football seemed like the easier, um, you know, kind of commitment-wise sport to join. And it really came at that time. Um, it was the perfect opportunity to, to meet a new group of people um, in East London. And yeah, I, I reached out to the team. They said that they were holding open trials. And I rocked up and met, met Morgan for the first time. And this was probably nearly two years ago now. Yeah, and there was a lot of other, <clears throat> sorry, there was a lot of other players that day as well. That was like a big day for joining. So it was a super exciting time. I didn't know that that's how you found us though, through the Cosmo article. Yeah, it popped up quite aggressively on my Insta. It was one, you know, when you have, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, just scrolling, like doom scrolling and it popped up, sponsored ad. And I was like, this looks so cool. And this is kind of the perfect time for wanting to join a team. And I remember thinking like, where is Victoria Park? I just, mm-hmm. I'd literally just moved to London. And it was just one of those moments where I thought, you know what, why not go for it, rock up, see how it goes. And kind of went from there really. Um, let, let's go back Mog. Um, I joined obviously about a year in, into the club's existence. Where did it all start? 
So it was actually like such a rogue, rogue like idea. But basically I had also moved to London from Australia and I was, you know, finding it hard to find friends or especially like female friends outside of my workplace. Um, obviously London's like a massive city and I think it can be quite like transient and intimidating. So I really wanted to get back into football, but I was intimidated to choose, um, sorry, I was intimidated to join an existing team that already had their own like, you know, click and history and sort of vibe. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, banging on about it to friends and, and my boyfriend and he was just like, why don't you just start your own? Not that I'm owing any of its success to him, but I was like, okay, maybe I'll do an Instagram story and just see if there's like anyone else out there who'd be keen to start a football team from scratch. So I put a Instagram story out. There was a few other girls interested immediately. And then sort of overnight, I was like, okay, let's meet at Victoria Park. And it was just like a blind date. Like none of us knew each other previously. And we had like one ball. I don't think anyone was wearing boots or anything. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. Like none of us had played in a few years. Um, yeah. And then from there, it just kind of grew and grew. And now we're obviously almost 40 women in our club, um, which is amazing. We have three teams. And yeah, I guess we started off with just um, one team for the first season. And then you joined Charlotte when there was a big influx. And now, you know, we're just growing and growing and we just need more space to kind of play to fill all those spots. But yeah, that is the history of Vixens, really. How did you find you know, your kind of influences in the grassroots game? Were there any teams that stood out to you when you were setting up Vixens that were kind of a bit of a model to follow um, in the journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, back then I was looking at Romance FC, obviously does like amazing stuff in the whole like creative space, music, fashion. Um, also Wonder Kid, I had a friend who was playing for them. So I did a, played a few games with them actually. And I was like, wow, Super 5 League is amazing. This is so fun. It's such a good vibe. Um, but they kind of, they're all friends and they've been friends for a long time. Um, and then who else? Obviously Gold Diggers at the time was like on a, such a big scale for women's grassroots football. I think even back then they had like multiple teams and obviously they're, they're even bigger now, which is amazing. I honestly don't know how they, how they organized it all. It's very impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, since then, so many more teams have popped up. Obviously, Whippets is in our league and they're amazing. They're such a good laugh to play with. And also they're all just super inspiring, cool women in their in their own world outside of football. But yeah, I think I think there was definitely inspiration from other teams, just kind of seeing that like, you know, you can play football and you don't have to be pro. Like it's just amateur. It's just fun and a kick around, but you can still like design your own kit and take yourself seriously and like host, host events and get involved in that community, even though you're not pro. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you spoke already a bit about how important social media was as the foundation for Vixens. You know, you put out your IG story. I think a lot of people, when they think about the internet and its relationship with women's sport in general actually have quite a negative perception so you've got the likes of trolls on the internet who just can't help but you know sort of come out with misogynistic terms it feels like actually there's a bit of a bad rap for the internet and and its perception of women in general how do you think that you know kind of us as vixens have benefited from from social media from different platforms instead of 
kind of being used and being controlled by those platforms themselves? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, social has been amazing for Vixens. I think most of our players found us on social through Instagram or, you know, like saw a post on another account that had been shared of us. So that's kind of amazing to get these like DMs daily from women who are like, I've just moved to London. I'd love to join the team or I'd love to get back into football. And I think it's amazing that we've set up like a community on our Instagram where we just post whatever we want. We don't take ourselves seriously. We're not trying to be a certain type of platform. Um, And I think that's kind of resonated with people and people find it interesting, even if they don't care about if we win or lose or they don't care about what league we play and people are just like, oh, this club is like doing cool things um, and they're worth a follow. So I think social has been great for us. It's got us a lot of opportunities. And I think, you know, it's amazing to to meet someone in like the pub or something and they're like, oh, I know Victoria Barbie since I follow them on Instagram. Like, that's really cool. Um, Yeah, and it's such, I always just think it's such a joy. It's been really refreshing to kind of have a group of individuals who are just so... I guess driven by by football. Everyone just absolutely loves football. And then we kind of get other things that that sprout out from there. It, we have a player, for example, who um recently got an internship through, you know, kind of the network that that she has through football and some of the contacts that she met. And I actually think that it makes you realise that football's not just a game that you turn up, play on the pitch, but actually can really open up doors and perhaps through the women's football ban in 1921, that actually women fell behind, not just because they didn't have access to, to a game on the pitch, but because they didn't have access to those those doors that open when when you meet certain people or someone comes along to watch or you meet a, a, a manager at a club who can put you in touch with this person. And it's these these kind of waves that, that go through sport um, in general that women have typically not actually had access to um, in, in the same way that men do. And it's also, I think, a big thing that we've had at Vixens as well is just that that assertiveness. You know, we don't just play football, we we learn life skills. And I think we're hoping kind of going forward to to help other other girls uh, and you know sort of coming up through the system with you know that sort of confidence building side that football can have too. And I think there's a lot more work that, that we can do and we will do um there too. Do you think that it's kind of helped you, Mog, in terms of you know, how you feel about yourself, how you hold yourself at work. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's definitely helped me with my confidence and also just like, I mean, often I have to remind myself and and you remind me too, Charlotte, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or anxious about stuff with the club, um, you know, it's just remembering that like I set this up, I made this happen and it's amazing and it's something to kind of enjoy and not, not get like bogged down in like the, the stress of it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely helped me be more confident at work, confident organizing things, reaching out to people. Cause I think at the start I was like, oh, you know, this is just a fun football team. But then when you've got the likes of Nike or national lottery or whoever reaching out and saying, we want to work with you guys, it's like, okay, maybe this is something like much more than that. So yeah, I think it's definitely helped me feel more confident and sort of assertive for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you said there about um, there are times where it it's a lot and it's overwhelming because I think it's easy to forget that this isn't a job. It feels like a job sometimes, but it, it's not, you know, kind of something that you're you're compensated for financially at the very least. There might be some people listening um, to this pod thinking, 
okay, how on earth do you deal with the workload? You know, the, the thought of setting up a club might be, you know, something that they're quite keen on, but it seems quite daunting. Do you have any tips that you, you would share with someone who is thinking, okay, either I want to join a club, I want to set up a club, where do I even start? Yeah, I think it is definitely daunting, especially as we've grown so rapidly. Like, I remember we did a call out for like an open training session for anyone who wanted to join. And at the time I had sort of like negotiated with Shaz, who runs the Super 5 League, for those listening, um, that we were going to submit maybe one extra team in the following season. And I rocked up to Mabley Green where we had arranged this open training session and there was like a like swarm of women. And I was like, we're going to have to kick these women off the pitch. Like we've booked this. And then I went over and I was like, excuse me, sorry, like we've actually booked this pitch, you know, like super timid, like trying to kick someone off. And they were like, no, we're all here for Vixens. And I was like, holy shit. Um, and I think that was the day that you, that you joined. Yeah. So I just remember going over to Shaz immediately and being like, we're going to need more space in the league. Like there's too many already. Like I was like doing the numbers in my head. I'm like, you've got three subs there. And I was like, oh my God, this is so, so big already. And it was definitely overwhelming. And I think, especially at the start, I was quite sort of protective of, of like the brand that Vixens was because it's like my baby. And obviously you don't want to start giving out too much stuff and then you lose control over something. So it definitely took me a while to start delegating, but that's been, that's been so helpful. And just, we've, we've ran sort of sessions on Zoom with the team where people can sort of highlight areas that they want to work in or they want to get involved in with Vixens because there's always stuff to do, even if that's just down to like messaging the goal scorers at the end of the game or whatever. So I think that's been so helpful. And I've spoken to, you know, um, the captain of Ex-Girlfriend FC, who's an amazing club in Super 5 League, and she was after some advice on, you know, how do you manage it all, like all of the jobs that there is to do, because there is a lot to do, even though it is just a grassroots team. And I just said, like, just delegate it. Like, let let players know that it's okay if they just want to play and they just want to rock up. But if people do want to get involved, there's literally a job for everyone. So that's been amazing. That's been really helpful, just sort of. And also, yeah, like you said, just remembering that I don't, I don't get paid. I wish I did. I wish it was my full-time job and hopefully one day it will be. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard when you finish like a, a long day at work and you know that you've got to do the team sheets for the next week or you've got to arrange a shoot that we're doing or something like that. So it is a lot. And there's always, you know, there's always questions that you need to answer as well. So yeah, yeah I think delegating is key. Being in a grassroots team, regardless of sort of male, female, it's difficult and it puts a lot of pressure on you in terms of, yeah, sorting out availability, sorting out pitch space. If you have a last minute dropout, how are you trying to negotiate that while not being there yourself? Um, I think it's even more difficult when you're in the women's game because you have a wider theme of constantly trying to break down barriers in terms of just having women on a football pitch sometimes you know, draws attention from people walking past who are like, wow, a whole team of women, because it's been so sort of rare in terms of the infrastructure growing up that we've had in, in the UK. And I think, you know, sort of globally too. And I think along with that, you then have 
the wider story of brands and their relationship with women's sport and football. And I think something that we've shared previously in terms of concerns that you have quite a lot of brands that really jumped in when it came to the Women's World Cup and when it was a real focal point for um, for sports and for, for coverage. But actually after that, we felt quite a distinct drop off too. And now we feel like the momentum's building again and we've got that more sustainable interest from brands. And it feels like a bit of a, a bun fight now where you have people reaching out being like, we're sorry we left you, but now we're back. Um, we've been involved with Vixens in some really cool campaigns. I, I'd just love to chat a bit about, you know, how you decide who you run campaigns with um, and, you know, what you look for and you know, some of the experiences that, that you've had and we've had as a club with, with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right about the World Cup. And I think that was in our very early days as well. We'd only been a club for about six months when the World Cup happened. And we were just happy with like anyone who wanted to get involved and like spread the word of Vixens. So, so yeah, that was, that was amazing. And there was a lot of attention over that summer, there was definitely a drop off afterwards, which was disappointing, especially for the, the individuals or the brands or publications or whatever that explicitly said, by the way, this isn't just about the Women's World Cup, like, we really want to back women's football. And it's like, oh, that's funny, because where are you now? Like, where have you been? Um, which I guess is frustrating. But yeah, moving on from that, we've worked with some amazing brands, um, some amazing sort of companies individuals and I think that's been really fun like from the plow in Homerton which is like an amazing pub that we love to work with and we hosted some really fun events there for world cup like watch parties but also we had our Christmas party there and can't wait to reopen and get back there and you know that was like a choice of us to work with them because they're local to Mabley Green they back football they back women's football it's owned by a female and she also loves football and she's come down to Mabley Green and watched us. And like, to me, that's really important that like, it feels like a, a two-way thing, a two-way like relationship. And then there's been obviously other like bigger brands that, you know, a couple of our team, um, a couple of our players have got involved with or the whole team. And I think for me, it's just always making sure that like the players or the club is getting something out of it in return. And it's not just, a brand or a company using our name or using our faces and you know whether that's players being you know compensated for their time or whether it's us being able to have our branding or our name somewhere I think it's really important that we don't just let brands use women's football as you know a tick box um, and they're kind of giving back whether that's yeah financial or in exposure. Yeah, for sure. And I think it, it's a bit of a, a learning curve for any team because the narrative of women's football has always been one of sort of philanthropy. Like, you know, this is a charitable thing. You know, we're, we're helping women to play sports and that's really exciting. And you're like, uh, actually, wait, no, this isn't a charity. Like, this is what we love to do. And actually, we've had a lot of setbacks in terms of um, politics, in terms of lack of funding. And we've really tried to I guess, you know, level the playing field on our own terms as well. Because I think that's that's something that's super important that, okay, while we had the, the disappointment of not having sort of funding 
across women's sport that actually we now have the opportunity to build it in a way that suits us and I think in a way that's much more inclusive than um, perhaps men's sport has been you know in terms of how people feel that they can turn up on the day are they feeling like they are their full selves um, and perhaps we're ahead of the men's game in, in having that inclusivity and openness too um, but yeah it's it's been a difficult journey I think in some respects because you are constantly trying to find the right the right people to work with um and that's on a brand level I also think that you know football as a vehicle um itself can be super useful for a community and um, so I don't know if you kind of have like thoughts on how important it could be for you know working with like local charities some of the things that Vixens have done and you know, what Super 5 means to East London, what it could mean to the, the rest of the footballing community and sort of the rest of London too. Yeah, I think it's super interesting what you said about, um, you know, women's football isn't a charity. And I think this is something that we've discussed between us, Charlotte, like, you know, there is still costs and there is expenses of running a club. You know, there's so much like ordering kits, booking pitches, like it costs money and it's not cheap to book these spaces and I think there's sort of this pressure on grassroots women's teams or clubs to always be giving back or donating to charity or donating back into women's grassroots football which is amazing and obviously we do that wherever we can but at the same time we shouldn't feel guilty for growing our own club and growing our own success because unfortunately that also requires money um, going into, you know, booking an event space to host something, most of the time that's going to cost something. And I don't think that women's football teams, grassroots or otherwise, should feel guilty for not always donating anything that they earn or raise from merch or raise at an event to some sort of charity because I don't think you see men's grassroots teams doing that or concerned by that all the time. And, you know, I think if a, if a men's grassroots team started selling and started doing a raffle or something, you probably wouldn't question that it was going back to the club. Um, you know, they all have treasurers and whatnot. And I think that's definitely something that's a fine line. Like, I really want to give back to women's grassroots football and really funnel that back in through exposure, but also through donations, which is something that, you know, we're working on and we can touch on later. But I do think it's important to also grow your own club and and do that in whatever means you need to. I mean, it's probably quite a, a difficult question, but do you think there's been like a moment in Vixens and, you know, sort of in the history of the club, um, the sort of young history of the club, that's just made you think, this is what I was meant to do. This is just why I do football. This is why I'm here. Or there have been a couple of moments that have just made you think, yeah. Um, firstly, I love that you say history of the club. It makes it sound like we've been around for so long. I love that. Um, we're very established. But yeah, there's definitely been multiple moments where I've been like, wow, I'm so glad I did this. You know, whether that's like a WhatsApp from an individual where they've just said, you know, by the way, this has like been like changed my life. Like not to sound dramatic, but, you know, this has changed my life since I moved to London. I'm so glad I met you all. I'm so glad that I joined Vixens. It's been so great for me. But also there's been there's been little moments like we were doing a like a friendly match in Highbury one time and there was like these young girls that were playing. And we were like all in our kits and stuff. And like I think someone was taking photos, which maybe looked made it look quite professional. But you know, we were just having a kick around, like talking shit. <laughs> and 
these little girls were there with like their mums and dads and they wanted to come onto our pitch and get us to sign like pieces of paper and like sign their jerseys because they were like you're going to be famous one day and I was like this is amazing firstly I'm probably not (laughs) my days of going pro are behind me um (laughs) but it was just so sweet and I was just like this is great because these girls and this was also during the women's world cup so I was like these girls are probably watching on tv they're super excited they've seen some like older older women we're um, playing football in the park and they want us to sign their stuff. And me and Bella were just like really reveling in it. We were like, this is our, our time to feel like celebs. Oh yeah. Moment to shine. That's really wholesome. Like that is the most wholesome moment. I think it's that, um, that, that moment where you're just like, yeah, you know, this is, this is the right thing. And you're not just impacting the people around you sort of in proximity, but you're, you know, sort of impacting those passing by, particularly girls who perhaps haven't had those visible role models growing up um, either. And I know we've been super positive um, about sort of women's football and the joy that it brings us. Um, if I'm sort of thinking probably a bit more about um, perhaps some of the negatives, if there's one thing that you could change overnight about women's football, um, you know, if you woke up tomorrow and something was just a bit different, what would it be, do you think? Um, that's a hard question, but there's probably a few things, but I think one of the main things that we struggle with, and I know other teams, other women's grassroots teams have the same issue is booking pitches, pitch availability. And it's obviously incredibly limiting. You can't get a pitch. Like we've had to have multiple trainings where we're literally just on like a grassy knoll in Homerton somewhere because we can't book a pitch. And that's because there's these big men's clubs that have money or you know they have the organization or the infrastructure to do a bulk booking for like the entire year and you know as far as you can see in the calendar the Hackney Marshes is booked out or whatever and it doesn't really allow for smaller teams or new teams to come in and say hey can we book a pitch and they say oh not not till next season it's like it's crazy that that it's booked out so far in advance and I think it's really limiting and yeah, I, I would love to see you know, whether it's Hackney Council or the Marshes individually sort of reserving half or whatever for women's grassroots teams because it's it's an overwhelming, um, overwhelmingly booked with male grassroots teams, I guess. Um, and it's it's quite it's quite frustrating, and it's even hard to book Mabley Green because they're also booked. Um, As you know, we've had to kick some teenage boys off the pitch that we've booked and paid for multiple times. Um, And I just kind of wish there was the same respect for women's teams that want to book a pitch and book a space. Yeah, I I think that's something that most teams have a shared frustration of. And it feels like when people, you know, these these organisations, you know, whether it's sort of local football associations to local councils, when you do have the issue of, okay, how can we be advocates and active allies for women's football? It's something as simple as, yeah, give them the pitch space and actually have someone accountable for it. And I think it kind of goes back to not just having women playing football, but having women in the infrastructure of football. Because I think when you have a woman at the table saying, okay, so... In Hackney Marshes, you have, what, 50, 60 pitches and two are occupied or booked out for women. I'm not sure that the, the ratios add up, um, but you actually need someone to, to go and make a noise about it. And I think 
that's where we still have a long way to go is actually, you know, someone like yourself who, who runs the club, who will be at the table when it comes to talking, you know, kind of on behalf of the team, because still a lot of the clubs, even in Super 5, are a women's team sprouted out of a pre-established men's team. And actually you have some of the, the dynamics, the actual hierarchy, you know, and the management of the club is still run by men. And then you have managers, coaches, um, people who own the pitches are all men and a lot of them surprise surprise are all friends with each other so when it comes to having those opportunities to book actually they know ahead of time when the pitch booking system is going to be open so yeah surprise surprise they get three years worth of pitch booking at prime time and I think that's the other thing is that a lot of the time these organizations will say hey we do have pitches spare it's like 8 to 10 p.m every Friday and we're just sat there like yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, the prime time that we just don't want to be playing football and want to be going to enjoy ourselves like everyone else has the opportunities to. That So that's the time that we kind of get allocated. And I think it's, you know, being able to have women who can just really kind of fly the flag for us and push back when those conversations are happening. Do you think that kind of from, from your position, you're seeing more women going into positions, you know, whether it's kind of like coaching, whether it's you know, kind of running publications, you know, that that sort of thing. Are, are we doing enough? Yeah, I think obviously there's always there's always space for more. And I think the more the better, like you said, I think it, it improves visibility and also means that up top where decisions are being made, wherever that is, um, you know, there is a woman there saying, oh, but have you considered this? Why is there not enough women involved? Why are you not asking a woman her opinion on this topic? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And I think within the sports industry as a whole, obviously there is amazing female publications and platforms like this fan girl. <laughs> Shout out! Um, but you know there is so much space for more, and there is a still so much male-dominated space in the sports media industry as well as the grassroots industry. Like it, it's definitely male-dominated. And just going back to your point about like us being offered less than ideal time slots. I think this is something that we've we've discussed for a long time now, but especially in light of recent recent events in the media and stuff, like it's not safe for us to be traveling to Mabley Green at that time. And it's dark, it's not lit. Um, that's something that we have reached out to Hackney Council about, you know, there needs to be more floodlights if if the only slot that we're gonna get is eight to nine PM, especially in winter, like it's it's literally you can't see the ground in front of you. It's so dark. And I think that's something that should be considered. I think the changing facilities should be safer, more secure. They should have sanitary items in all pitches and all clubs, changing facilities for babies, things like that. I think it's not considered. Um, and it still feels like we're using a men's locker room. And at any one time, a man could walk in, you know, try and use the urinal that's in the corner of the room. And it's just a bit it doesn't sit right. Yeah, for sure. And it feels like the the want is there and the willingness is there, but it's just kind of really trying to smash into those sort of upper, um, like where, where the decisions are made and where the changes are really made. Because there's one thing sort of putting a woman in a position because it looks good. Your organization is now actually representing the other half of the population, but actually are they in positions where they're saying, okay, when we build this clubhouse, when we are investing in these new pitches, does it work for women? And how does it work for women? And that doesn't just mean we, we give and give them X amount of time. You know, as you say, have they got 
facilities that women need to have a comfortable and safe environment to play football in. And I think we are still quite a long way off. Um, having someone who can really kind of swing swing the, the the kind of consensus that way, but it's something that I think we do definitely still need um, to have done. I think the louder we can be, the, the more platforms we can use and the, the more conversations we can have um, too is so important. And I think it comes down to a lot of the time, you know, not just seeing this as a women's only problem, but actually calling on our male allies too. And, you know, is that something that you've kind of felt from your perspective, where have you felt that you've had male allies in the game and in your experience too? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously got loads of amazing supporters on social and in real life as well who, you know, play themselves males. And I think it's super important for them you know, if, if they do want to support Vixens, then they should be supporting women's grassroots football and women's football as a whole. And whether that's going to the pub to watch the women's Euros and, and actually backing it, you know, booking tickets to see women's matches and not just men's, but also coming down to May Blue Green when, when we're allowed spectators post-COVID, like coming down and actually supporting. Like, I think you can show your support in lots of different ways rather than just sort of watching from afar. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been some amazing male allies and some people who have really like backed Vixens and given us some amazing opportunities. But yeah, I think, I think it shouldn't all fall on us. You know, there should be men's teams that say, hold on a sec, we've booked all of the, all of the pitches on Mabley Green for the whole year. What about the women's super five league that plays at the same time as us? Where do they train? Um, yeah, I think the responsibility should definitely not fall on women completely. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I hope sort of going forward that we see more of that. Now, it's, it's probably quite a big question, um, but what what's the future for Vixens? Um, you know, kind of like near term, longer term ambitions. Um, you know, I think it's all very much a, a moving kind of situation. It always is. And circumstances change. Like we didn't know that there was going to be a global pandemic. Um, no, one, no one could have forecasted that. But, you know, just kind of as a bit of a timeline of, of what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's so much that I want to do with Vixens. There's so many places that we can take it, but having spoken to the the club and the team, like one of the main focuses and one of the main passions that we all share is bridging that gap between young girls who play when, whether that's at school and high school. And then there's a huge drop off in numbers when, when girls go to uni or when they start work in between like 16 to 24, I think it is, it's like the biggest drop off. And I think it would be amazing to kind of focus on that age group and sort of bridge that gap through, like we've discussed, you know, career mentoring, hosting workshops, talking about sexual health, relationships, family, but also with like a football lens. And I think, you know, Football Beyond Borders do amazing work in that space. And I think there's definitely you know, a huge opportunity for us to tap into the local community in Homerton and, you know, give back to, to Hackney Homerton and, and, you know, mentor some of these amazing teenage girls with the hope that maybe they want to get involved in football, maybe they want to start their own team in Super 5 League. Um, you know, there's a huge, I think the highest, the highest sort of average age, sorry, the most popular age in Super 5 League is around 25 to 30, I think. And there, there are no teams that are like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. 
And I think it would be amazing to have like a younger teen league Um, because I think that's a really important time to be part of a team. And, you know, you might have a really bad life at home or you might be in toxic friendships or toxic relationships. And it's a time when you really need like guidance and a strong community around you. And I think a football team can be so good for that. So that's something that I would really love Vixens to get involved in is doing workshops, offering sort of a mentoring scheme with teenage girls in the community with a football angle and getting them involved in a kick around, even if they don't enjoy it, it's just to get them have a kick around and get them chatting. And then I guess they have a contact with Vixens then at that point, whether they want someone to, you know, look over their CV for the first job application or something like that. I would love for us to be able to have that sort of connection. Um, Cause I think it feels like we're giving back to the community, but also we're growing women's football in some way. Yeah, for sure. I think that's such a, yeah, a positive kind of lens. And it's funny when you mentioned, you know, you have a kick around and you, I'm always sort of sometimes like blindsided by some of the questions and the conversations that come up just because we all feel so comfortable and we feel like a lot of people at football are, are removed from our day-to-day life. So actually where we have those, those worries or those problems, or we have an awful time at work, perhaps, you know, we're having like issues with someone at work that you can actually get a second opinion without fear of judgment and that in itself is so priceless I I certainly find it you know just having those kind of really neutral opinions having the support of people as well who will just really hype you up I always I think I I always say it's like Vixens is like a 40 woman hype you know hype squad for us and if you have something that you're doing you have 40 people being like you go girl like you smash this you go like we love this and you're like i i have my I have my team behind me i'm not sure if they know what i'm doing but they are there um and it's so it's such good vibes i think every single one of us feel that um so just to kind of like wrap this all up um i have a couple of questions for you so obviously mog you you founded vixens and We've spoken a bit about, you know, kind of the joys and, um, you know, some of the difficulties as well that come with running a grassroots club. If I was sat at home thinking, right, now's the time. I've got an idea of the people that I would want to be on my team. I want to start. I want to get going. What advice would you give to that person who's thinking, maybe i do this? Yeah, I think, you know, well, firstly, do it. Like, you won't regret it. And if you do, you just quit and that's it. You gave it a shot and it's fun. But I think it's so amazing. And I think if, you, if you're going to join an existing team, you need to find one that works for you, whether that's the times that they train, the times that they play, where they play. It needs to be convenient for you and work for you. Um, and you feel like, you know, you're a part of the team and it's what you wanted to get out of it. But if you want to start your own team, then I would say absolutely do it because I know for a fact that there is a lot of women out there who want to play. So, you know, the the sort of want is, is definitely there. The numbers are definitely there. Um, yeah. And how fun getting to like start your own football club, name it, design a kit. So fun. And you'll meet so many people through it and you know, it will probably grow into something amazing. So yeah, I would say do it. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes on nicely to my final, final question, which is once again, we'll have a lot of listeners who are sat there thinking, I've never played football before. It's, it looks pretty intimidating. You know, you kind of get a bit of 
the kind of culture around it's quite rowdy you know is there an expectation that I need to rock up and you know kind of be the next big thing for for a team to accept me um or just you know I don't even know if I'm going to be able to kick a ball but I kind of want to try and I've been at home for a year and I just want to do something new like what advice would you give to that person who's thinking kind of want to try kind of intimidated yeah I mean I would say definitely go to a training, join a training and, you know, just express like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of players who maybe were stuck in that trap of having to play netball or hockey all through or basketball or whatever, all through high school or schooling. And now they're like, hey, I actually want to do football because that looks way more fun. Um, and, but I'm, I'm behind. I feel like I haven't played it my whole life like other, other girls have. So I would just say, you know, head to a training check it out. There's going to be always women of different abilities. Even with Thin Vixens, we have some pure beginners. We have some people who haven't played in 10 years. And then we have, you know, players that have played their whole lives. And I think you can always find a space, always find a spot. And you'll pick it up pretty quickly. It's, um, it's not as intimidating as it looks, definitely. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, this has been so fun. Thanks for all the questions. All right, thanks for the combo. Yeah, none of them were none of them were too hard. Too controversial. You're like, who's your favourite player? Yeah. <laughs> who's your favourite mixer? I could never pick. So diplomatic.